Good evening. It's good to uh, it's good to be here tonight. Uh, it's great to be with all of you. It's always a it's always a joy to come together and worship with one another. It's always a joy to sing together, and I hope that it'll be a joy to hear what I have to say tonight. Uh, I'm going to be bringing some scriptures to mind that I I know will be helpful if we'll uh, take heed to to the teachings that we um, that we have in scripture. I, uh, I guess before we get started, I just wanted to, I guess, take some time on behalf of my family to say thank you to, congr- to the congregation, um, dealing with several things in our family with my dad's health, health issues, and now uh, we've got complications with our twin boys. Many of you have shown us an, an incredible amount of uh, love and support through, uh, in all kinds of different ways, whether that be prayer or calls or texts and uh, or meals or you know whatever it might be uh, and I just want to say thank you and my family is extremely appreciative and grateful for for everything that you do we're truly blessed to to be a part of Christ's church and we're truly blessed to be a part of this congregation as I know uh, many of you have been the recipients of the same blessings that we have and I think it's important that we don't take those things for granted, but that we appreciate those things and are grateful for them, and, and we certainly are. Tonight, <clears throat> with uh, that love that's been shown to us recently on my mind as of late, uh, I want to talk about just that, and I want to talk about uh, loving your neighbor. Um, because this, is, this has been on my mind a lot recently, uh, as mentioned, the love of many of you has, has been abundantly shown to us in recent months through, uh, through different ways, through kind words, calls, texts, um, cards, prayers, meals, numerous other acts of kindness, and uh, we're extremely grateful for each and every one of you. And as, we have a, as we've experienced this love and and we've been recipients of these different acts of kindness and things that have been done for us or, or things that have been offered to do for us, something that, that Jacqueline and I have, have spent some time discussing uh, are just ideas, all the, the ideas that, that come to us from, for things that we could do for you or things that we could do for others that people have, have done for us. You know, sometimes uh, people do things for you that I would have never thought of myself. Um, some specific examples of those things might be uh, Jacqueline, she got behind on ironing and uh, somebody, she had a friend offer to, to help her iron shirts. Uh, we had some friends that uh, they had been in the hospital for a day and they knew that you might uh, get hungry. So we had some friends that provided a snack bag and I'm very happy that they did because uh, we had to skip lunch, and fortunately, we had that snack bag, and uh, I survived because of it. Um, you know, things like that, that some people, I feel like, are really good at coming up with those things, thinking about those things, and then acting on them. And, you know, they're meaningful acts of kindness that are genuinely helpful for people that, that might have a need. And... I believe that there's many of you here who have, uh, you've developed and you've honed the skill of loving your neighbor. 
I think the reason I don't uh, maybe think of things like that is because I don't look for those opportunities like I should. Uh, this is something that I tend to struggle with, um, finding those needs that, that people have and then taking action to actually meet those needs. Um, I tend to struggle with this, and I'm, I'm sure that I'm not the only one that, that struggles with coming up with ways to, to love our neighbor, or love your neighbor, or serve a need that they have. And so that's what our lesson's about tonight. It's about loving your neighbor. And so my goal, and I hope that uh, when you leave here tonight, is that you'll be able to better love your neighbor. We're going to start in uh, Luke chapter 10 with the parable of the Good Samaritan. And we're going to take most of, if many if not most of our thoughts from this parable. But we'll start in Luke chapter 10 in verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly, Do this, and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. And so he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set, on, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him. And whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, He who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. <clears throat> There's a couple of, of things I want to notice from this parable um, as we start our lesson. The first is that the question that's posed is, What shall I do? The, the question that the lawyer poses was, what can I do to inherit eternal life? And when he answered, love God with all your strength, with all your mind, with all your soul, love your neighbor as yourself, Jesus says, do this and you will live. So the answers to the questions that are being asked are not something that, um, it's, it's specifically talking about doing, taking action, not uh, not feeling a certain way, not thinking about things a certain way, but actually taking action and doing these things. The term neighbor here, uh, the word neighbor, is, comes from a derivative of the term near or close by. And so when, you, when you, the word neighbor that's referenced here is a person who's near to us or a person who, that, who, are we, who we are near to. And so that could be any person, right? It's not a, a specific type of person. It's not a, a specific sect or a specific group of people. It's any person that we're near to. And the, at the last of the, the parable, Jesus asks at the end there, who was neighbor to him? He asks the question, who was neighbor to him? Or who drew near to or who was close to this person that was in need? And this is a concept that I think that we need to understand as we move forward, and that is 
the concept of us being the neighbor or being the one who is nearing or going to or becoming close to others. Uh, We are becoming the neighbor to others on purpose. It's not something that happens uh, by chance. It's not something that um, just comes along. It's something that we put effort into and that we do on purpose. And I think that we can uh, see similarities to how we love God. You see, we love God and we learn to love God by drawing near to Him, by finding Him and searching for Him in His Word. And much in the same way, we must draw near, or we must search for, we must find our neighbor. We must find our fellow man uh, in order to love them. We have to go to them. It's not something that comes to us. In Philippians chapter 2, in verse, uh, starting in verse 3, we, re- we read, Let nothing be done through selfish selfish ambition or conceit but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself let each of you look out not only for his own interests but also for the interests of others let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus here Paul instructs us not to do anything for selfish reasons or for our own gain he says let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit but rather consider others more valuable than ourselves and look out for the things of others. Look out for the things of, uh, the, for their interests, for their well-being. And we have this perfect example through Christ of what truly loving our neighbor is. And we must adopt his mindset if we want to be able to love our neighbor appropriately as he expects us to. Loving our neighbor in the way that Christ does, it's, it's not an easy thing for us to do. Like I said, it's not something that, that comes natural to us. It's something that we have to learn. It's a skill that we have to, uh, to grow in and to hone, to develop. In that, later in that same chapter, uh, of Philippians chapter 2 and verse 19 through, 20, through 22, Paul writes, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state for all seek their own not the things which are of Christ Jesus but you but you know his proven character that as a son with his father he served with me in the gospel here Paul's writing to the Philippians and he lets them know that he's he's sending Timothy to him but Timothy is somebody that he trusts because he doesn't have somebody else that will naturally or sincerely care for their state you see these people these men were hard to find then And I believe they're hard to find now because loving your neighbor is not something that comes naturally to us. It's not something we're just going to do unless we're trying to do it. You see, I think loving your neighbor is, it can be a hard concept to grasp. Especially in America today. uh, The way our our culture is, the way our society is. um, People often may not even know your next door neighbor. Uh, If you do know them, it may be very Uh, surface level and probably doesn't fit the definition of near especially in regard to your relationship with them the people that we are near to are segmented into different groups they're based off of the function uh, that's served in our lives you know we have neighbors here in our in our congregation we have neighbors at work we may have neighbors at school Uh, we have neighbors in different social groups that we might be a part of but as a whole, this term of, of neighbor or being near to someone, uh, it's almost become foreign, I feel like, or it seems, in our culture today. Uh, 
you know, social media has allowed us to, to connect with people in ways that we haven't been able to connect in, in ways before. Um, you know, we can connect with people in, in other parts of the country or in other parts of the world. And this seems to have su- supplanted the need that we have for neighbors. And there's this perceived uh, notion that the people that we know are, are uh, on social media are our neighbors. And for whatever reason that might be, there may not be uh, a need for a local neighbor, a true neighbor now. Um, you know, when you think about this and you think about the act of being neighborly as being something that you do, it's hard to do something via social media. I know that there are avenues for that, but in general, uh, the concept of, of neighbor is, has, has almost become foreign. Uh, isolationism, I believe, has also become the norm for, for an American family. You know, we hole up in our, in our comfortable homes, uh, our subdivisions, uh, small like-minded groups that we that we have um, and ultimately the way that our culture is becoming it reduces the chance of us interacting or even coming in contact with uh, someone we might consider as a neighbor you know j- people in general are kept at a distance and I, I think that this is something that that we need to be aware of and and go against as Christians so how can, you, how can we do that? How can you love your neighbor when it, it goes against the very way our society is set up or moving, the very way our society operates? You know, when it doesn't come natural to us or, the, or those that we're interacting with, uh, it might not be easy. You know, we've got to be okay going against the grain of this world. We have to be okay going against the grain of society, and we have to be motivated by Christ. We read in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You know, we hear from this pulpit often, and we know that we must put our faith in God's Word. We must believe it, and we must implement it in our lives even when it goes against what's natural or what the, what the world's doing around us. And ultimately, Christ is our motivation to do that. He's shown us the ultimate example of, of how to love your neighbor. Immediately following verse 5 in, in Philippians chapter 2, where we read about Christ's mind being in us, continuing on into verse 6, we read, "...who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant." And coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. You know, as defined by our society or as defined by the world, Christ made himself nothing. He became a servant. In Mark chapter 10, verse 45, we read, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. You see, Christ came to serve. He came to minister to us. He came to love His neighbor. He came to die for us. And as Christians, we realize this. We realize the sacrifice that He made for us. And this, this drives us. In 1 John chapter 3, and verse 16, we read, By this we know love, because He laid down His life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. 
You see, we must be willing to sacrifice our natural wants, our natural desires for those of Christ, for our brethren, for our neighbors. You see, knowing the love of Christ motivates us. It drives us to love. And I think if we're struggling to love, it's because we might not fully know the love of Christ, or we might not be grateful for the love of Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 14, we read, For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again. You see, it's only in Christ and through Christ that we can truly love our neighbor. Motivated by his love and laying down his life for us, we can lay down our lives for him and for our neighbor. And this is the mindset that we adopt, or that we must adopt, when we decide to follow Christ. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20 we read, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, anything that you want, any selfish desire that you have, you give up when you are in Christ. Those things are no longer a part of what drives you. For now, it's the love of Christ that drives you. And this is different. This, is, uh, this contradicts the motivation and the drive in the world. You know, society focuses on me, getting what I want, elevating my status, doing what's best for yourself regarding, regardless of how it may affect others, with no regard for your neighbor, with no love for your neighbor. And I think we're bombarded with this, with this mindset, this mindset that's in stark contrast to the mindset of Jesus and his teachings. You see, Christ's teachings are completely opposite. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9, we read, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. And if you'll recall in Mark 10 verse 45, Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve. Not for himself, but for our sakes. You see, he became poor so that we might become rich. His motivation was for our betterment. And throughout his time on earth and in, in Scripture, Jesus regular, regularly teaches the importance of loving your neighbor, confirming in Mark chapter 12 that no commandment is greater than loving God and loving your neighbor. Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 29, Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. You know, when, when Jesus says that there's no other commandment greater than these, I think it's extremely important that we put a lot of thought and a lot of focus and a lot of effort into these things. And loving our neighbor is, is, is a part of that. I think that we see a lack of, of neighborly love in our world today because there's a lack of those following Christ and his teachings. In Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 26, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. 
For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Doesn't this teaching go against the mindset of the world? You know, Christ teaches us to deny self and to follow Him. And too many in the world, and I'm afraid sometimes in the church, are caught up trying to do exactly the opposite of what this teaching says. Instead, we're caught up, we might be caught up trying to gain the whole world. We must give up the selfish desires and wants that we may have in this world, rather focusing on and putting our efforts into loving God and loving our neighbors. In Luke chapter 6, starting there in verse 31, we read, And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the unthankful and evil. You see, our natural tendency is is not to love your neighbor, and certainly not to love your enemy. And that's we get that from the world. You know, without a constant focus on Christ, without putting effort into His Word to guide us, our minds are groomed by the selfish teachings of the world. Teachings like, if somebody wrongs you, get them back or get revenge. You know, how many movies have been made on the sole premise of a so-called hero getting revenge? And in all of those movies, people cheer them on. If someone hurts your feelings, hurt theirs. Or take something from them to get even. You know, we might not hear people say these things out loud. We might. But even when we don't hear people say these things out loud, we can see these things happen. Jesus' teaching obviously contradicts this way of thinking. You know, I see our kids bargaining for toys every day. Uh, Who gets to play with what and for how long do they get to play with it? Uh, arguing over whose turn it is to play with a certain toy. You may remember doing this yourself as a kid. I specifically remember offering a friend uh, two turns. I was being extra nice to him. I offered him two turns. Uh, and uh, But when his two turns were over, I insisted that because I was so nice, I now deserved three turns. And that's the opposite of... Christ's teaching but that's what comes natural to us as parents we understand that we have to teach our children to share Uh, we have to teach them to think of others and that it's not all about them and this is contrary to what comes natural we must learn it from Christ because his way is opposite of that you know kids Christ's way is to offer your friends multiple turns and then not to expect a turn at all in return. Christ's way is to love, our na- love your neighbor and put effort into serving their needs, whether great or small, from the most meaningless scenario, like playing with a toy, to the most meaningful and impactful scenario, such as someone being robbed and left for dead. In every scenario, we're to give and expect nothing in return. 
I think that each of us can gain insight into how much you love your neighbor by examining what you pray about and who you pray for. When you pray, ask yourself this question. Do you pray more for others, keeping their, their needs in mind, or are you focused on yourself and how God can help you? Are there requests that you make to God to help others, or are they to help yourself? And I encourage all of us to examine this. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 and verse 44, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. You see, things haven't changed in our world today since Jesus taught this. You know, even then, people had heard to hate their enemies. It's natural to hate your enemies, much like we hear today. Yet Christ teaches to love them and to pray for them. Meditating and thinking on or considering the needs of others and praying for others helps us adopt this mindset of loving, our, loving your neighbor. We have to spend time thinking and considering the needs of our neighbors. You know, it can be difficult, but as Christians, we are expected and commanded. We're driven by the love of Christ to love those who may not love us and love those who wrong us. Part of loving your, <clears throat> loving your neighbor is laying aside hurt feelings or harsh words and loving that person. You know, nobody has done to you what was done to Christ. And note how He loves them, how He loves us in spite of those things that have been done against him. You know, if we're if Christ expects us to love our enemies, how much easier easier should it be for us to love our neighbor, who's not an enemy but somebody who's near to us and somebody who has a need. You know, this is going to be hard when our focus is on self and not on our neighbor. Where's your focus today? Change your focus, change where you spend your thought time. Change where you spend your efforts and shift your resources to loving your neighbor and serving your neighbor. You know, simple scenarios in your life can be a gauge for where your mindset is when it comes to this. When you're driving, <clears throat> do you get aggravated in traffic when someone drives as though their arrival time is more important than yours? And I'll ask the question, who's to say it isn't more important? Or at least, should we not treat their arrival time as more important than ours. The lesson in that is to focus on your neighbor's needs instead of your own. Do you do that? Another scenario that uh, you might think of is when you see good things happen in somebody's life. Are you happy for them? Do you share in the joy that comes from, from whatever that good thing is? Or are you focused on how that good thing did not happen to you? Bringing yourself down, not helping your neighbor at all. Denying self and putting our neighbor first is the mindset that we're to have in Christ. As we think back on our parable of the Good Samaritan, <clears throat> I want to ask, who do you relate to in this parable? Do you avoid situations or places where you know there are people you could help as the priest did? Do you isolate yourself and remove from your life any opportunity that you might have to love your neighbor? After all, if you aren't near somebody, they, 
You can't be a neighbor to somebody if you're not near to them. Isolating yourself removes this. When you see someone in need, do you pass on by or do you look the other way because you don't want to take the time out of your day to help? Maybe you're busy. Maybe you have a lot on your plate and it would be an inconvenience to put forth that effort. Maybe you relate to the lawyer that asks the question, who is my neighbor? Maybe you want to know exactly who your neighbor is so you can take care of that specific duty and mark it off your Christian checklist, freeing up your mind to then focus on self. Or, and I hope this is the case for most, do you have the mind of Christ, as this Samaritan did, constantly loving your neighbor, looking for the needs that they have, going to the person in need, as we read he did there in verse 34. We saw that the Samaritan went to him. He didn't avoid him. He didn't pass by on the other side. He didn't look the other way. He went to the the man in need. Not waiting for someone's need to to come across your doorstep or, or walk out in front of you by accident, but rather focusing on others' needs, maybe even recognizing a person's needs before they do. Putting the needs of your neighbor above your own no matter how hard or inconvenient it might be. Maybe even getting others involved as the Samaritan got the innkeeper involved in loving the neighbor. We see that the the Samaritan, he told the the innkeeper, take care of him. The, uh, The innkeeper was roped in at that point. He had to help him, right? We can ask people to help. There's a lot of people to help. You're not alone and there's and there's plenty of people to help you. Sometimes folks just need to be asked, and they're more than willing to help. I hope that we all have the mindset of the Samaritan. If you're someone who's, who's learned to focus and hone the skill of loving your neighbor, don't be afraid to ask others for help. You know, we must make sacrifices in our own wants and needs in order to engage, include, help, and love our neighbors not only when it's convenient for us. We, we read earlier that God's ways are not our ways and His ways are higher than our ways, and this is absolutely true. You know, you may see, tonight you may see taking time out of your day to help someone as an inconvenience or maybe as a sacrifice or at the very least a duty that you have. And I'll propose to you that if you view it in that way, you're missing out on the joy that comes from loving your neighbor. You see, we're blessed beyond measure when we follow the teachings of Christ and when we put others above ourselves and when we love our neighbor. If you'll recall the question that this parable of the Good Samaritan answered, recall the question that this parable of the Good Samaritan answered. The question was, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Loving your neighbor and loving God is the answer to inheriting eternal life and we are blessed with eternal life when we when we love our neighbor we live spiritually when we love our neighbor and i think that we're blessed with that life now it's not a blessing that we have to wait to enjoy 
we are eternal we are eternal beings and we can enjoy the blessing of eternal life right now in the kingdom of God and in Christ. This evening, this evening I hope that you're not missing out on eternal life because you won't love your neighbor. And I hope that you'll be better able to love your neighbor when you leave here after going through this lesson. If you're here tonight and you struggle in this area and you would like help or you have any other need and would like prayers of the church, we'd love to assist you with that. If you're here and you'd like to obey the gospel and baptism, we'd love to help you with that as well if you'll come to the front as we stand and sing.